Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Another incredible Eyes Up Mindset Podcast episode coming at you. I'm John Shirky here with my co-host, my friend, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, good to see you. You as well. Um, I, I love this time of year, right? I, I used to garden a lot um, mm. when we had our old home. And I love that idea of planting seeds. We get to talk a little bit about that today, right? That this idea of change is so evident in the spring, um, you know, because the weather changes from day to day also. But uh, that idea of change is just such a part of who we are and, and you get to see it play out on a daily basis right now. And uh, so it, it's kind of directing my mindset in a place where it's like, be ready and willing for some change right now. Ooh, that's big, man. Right, right out of the gate. What, uh, I mean, what prompted that? Where'd, where'd that come from? It was, well, I was playing around a golf yesterday and, and realizing that the work I'm putting in is not there yet. I think in mm. some ways it's like, I want the change to happen very quickly, but just like in anything else, you know, it, it happens in its own time. And, um, you know, the nature's like that. And it's like, okay, there's a season for that when it's going to change. And then there's going to be a season, of, a dormant, I don't know, maybe I'm in that season as a golfer right now, but, um, I'm hoping that the change will take place soon. So I was thinking about, it. I don't know, just a little reflection. No, that's good. I mean, you and I have been going back and forth about your golf season. Mine really has yet to start. I have snow on the ground again, which Ooh. is not not that exciting, but is it's one of the things that you got to deal with. You know, roll roll with it, as they say. But uh, no, I I've appreciated getting the golf season started for for us and some of the conversations that it's prompted in terms of that very topic of you know continuing to learn and putting in the time and and looking at you know what are the things specifically you know that I want to get better at and I need to get better at in order to be successful at this thing. Well, and I, you asked me a question last night, just kind of in, and that prompted some reflection for me, which is like, can you execute that thing? Right. Can you do that thing yet? Right. And I think right. in some ways the answer is no. Right. And, and so those of you listening out there, it, it's not golf. It's probably not golf. Some of you, it might be, but there's something out there where the answer, where the question is, can you execute that skill yet? And if the answer is no, like what do you have to do to be able to execute that skill, especially with consistency and, or why are you expecting it to happen? If you know that you can't do it, right. That's, that's my biggest problem is I expect myself to go out and execute when the honest truth is I don't know how to do that yet, or I can't do that repeatedly yet. And I got to do the work. So maybe the answer is we all have to do a little, little bit more work to get better at the thing. So reminds me of a previous episode. Will Drumright, learn, practice, execute, right? We want to learn it and execute it. We don't always want to practice it. Man, that's that's not even really part of the podcast today, but you know, I, I love having the conversation because that's an important thing too. So if you get nothing else out of this rest of this episode, you know it feels hard to do. It, yeah, I, I think if you don't, um, uh, that's tough. But Jamie, we got to go down um, 
a road that I appreciate today. My high school basketball coach, Phil Johnson, just recently retired after 20 plus years of coaching at Minnewaska area. I got to interview him and have a conversation about kind of his perspective on coaching and certainly some stories about me and some of the light side of coaching and being a part of a program for that long. But um, just a really cool time for me. I uh, appreciate you being willing to go down that road with us. I love having conversations with people that have done it before, though. That's the thing. It is like so much of the the coaching landscape right now and even business is like i'm gonna do this for four or five years i'm gonna figure it out i'm gonna see what goes on and then once i hit some roadblocks like once i hit some stumbling blocks maybe this isn't for me and i think one of the questions that i really appreciated him his willingness to answer was how have you done this for so long right how have you stayed in it so long because the truth about any sort of change any sort of growth is there has to be a willingness to stay in it long enough to see the growth, right? And and we talked about this in a previous episode also, like how close are you to that goal that you've been seeking? Don't give up yet, you know? And um, these memories that you guys get to share, like that's part of the gold. And it's not always wins and losses. It's not always big victories in terms of a sale or uh, you know, an end of quarter results that you're looking for. It might just be the memories you make along the way. And, you know, believe it or not, well, I, if you know us at all by now, we didn't even ask about wins and losses. You know, I, as I'm thinking back to the, the conversation, you know, we didn't talk about wins and losses. He's certainly been incredibly successful, had teams in the state tournament, put kids at the all levels of the collegiate game, you know, and, and so the X's and O's and the wins and losses side of it is certainly there, but you know, for us, that wasn't, and I, I think for him, he, he touches on this too. Like it's about the relationships and what he got to pour into those kids in, in that community and uh, appreciate it. Appreciate you guys listening, go check out our social media, join our Facebook group, eyes up mindset family. And without further ado, Phil Johnson. Coach, I know um, that's a term that I use not lightly. I, you know, we are, I would consider us friends now, now that we're both adults. And uh, I've played for you at one point, but also coached with you and, and certainly have spent time with you outside of athletics. But I think it's really important for me because you made such a big impact on my life. Coach Phil Johnstrude, welcome to the podcast. Um, it's my pleasure to be here. Excited to visit with you guys. So, Coach, I know you just announced your retirement not too long ago from coaching. Tell us a little bit about kind of your career. How would you describe your career as, as the basketball coach at Minnewaska? Well, you know, I've, I've thrown that the old saying, you know, living out a dream. When I was a little kid growing up in Starbucks, um, I was really lucky to have a lot of, you know, awesome teachers and coaches that I looked up to. I'm also the youngest of, of in a family of six, of which I had three older brothers that were actively involved in sports. And, and that was kind of at a time, you know, my older brothers are getting close to 70 years old. And so that was at a time growing up on a farm where it was tough for my dad to allow them to to, to, to be gone, not be there for practices. Uh, I mean, for work at home, he was by himself. My mom, a lot of times had to 
had to help because uh, they gave them that chance. But uh, I can remember going to games as a little kid. And back then I would sit in my mom's lap uh, in the vehicle. And I remember when it would be cold, my mom would unbutton her coat and let me sit in her lap and she'd wrap her coat around me um, to keep me warm. But I just remember all the different games we would drive to try to get there in time for the game because we'd wait for my dad to get done with chores. Um, but I really remember the Starbuck Glenwood battles. Um, those gyms would be filled and watching the coaches and watching the fans. And so I always knew I wanted to be a teacher and a coach. But when I started uh, college in my senior year, at that time, it was incredibly difficult to get a job in education. I mean, everybody, when I graduated from college, uh, when you applied for the job or a job, there'd be three, 400 applicants. Um, so I remember being told, you, you, you're never going to get a job, Phil. You can't be a FIA teacher. You can't be a coach. So I went into business for a little bit, a business major. And after about a month and I'm like, there's just no way. I, this is not me. This is not what I want to do. So, um, and ironically, when uh, graduating from college, I switched back. I, got, I had some really good experiences coaching when I was in, in college. I was an eighth grade coach in Barnesville, Minnesota. I got to coach at Morehead High School with Chuck Galsvik and Bill Gwinnett. Um, and my wife and I, we got married and my wife had an educational, she's a, an elementary education major and she has a coaching uh, degree and, and she got hired back at Starbucks before I did. So um, I was tagging along and uh, we both started as like part-time paras and, uh, and then lucky enough to start coaching. At that time, I got, I got in an eighth grade position, um, coached for a few years and then ninth grade position with my high school coach, Greg Starnes. And then after one year doing that, I was really, really excited, but I was given that opportunity to be our head coach. And I was 28 years old at the time and had a couple little kids, but I never forget my oldest brother saying, you know, cause he knew what it was like. He was older and wiser. And he said, Phil, he goes, I don't know whether to send you my uh, condolences or my congratulations, but we're happy for you. But, um, and that's where it all started. So, I, I loved it. I loved every bit of it. There were times that are challenging. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. There were a lot of times that I'm driving home after a game wondering, why am I doing this? What, you know, remind myself why um, that I'm spending all this time away from my kids and my, and my family. And it doesn't seem like it's as rewarding as I thought it would be. Um, but I think that's the same in every profession and you continue to evolve and change with what you do. Um, and you make it uh, the best job that you can. And so I'm, I'm very proud of uh, that I was able to take over from my coach and try and continue with a lot of the traditions that Coach Holston and Coach Stackpool, Coach Starnes, and, and all, the, all the communities that, that make up Minnewaska were all about. And uh, I'm really proud of, of what we did. And I don't look back at it. I look at back at it now as I was very lucky and blessed to be able to do it. So there's a major change and shift that has happened over the course of the last 20 years in coaching where the longevity piece is just really not as consistently there. What has made it so made it able for you to stay in coaching where a lot of people are, you know, two or three years or five years or eight years, and then they get out. What thing keeps bringing you back? Well, I think, I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier. You, you know, things change over time. As you're saying, they evolve. For me, it took me a long time and I'm still learning. You know, if I were to continue to coach, there's things I'm going to change from year to year, 
et cetera. But what I, I suddenly recognized that I think when I started looking up all, all the individuals that I looked up to as coaches and teachers, I'm like, I, I felt like I needed that respect from people right away. And I, hell, I hadn't earned it. You know, there's, there's so much that goes into earning um, respect. And it, and it became, even after, you know, 2003, 2004, 2005, uh, I started to recognize that when you're a teacher and a coach, it is all about, for me, it was all about relationships. And then when I started to foster those relationships and get to know kids, uh, every kid, and make them feel special and understand why they were important to our program, as well as their families starting at a young age, I became a much better coach. And that's what I will always hang my hat on. And, and most importantly, educationally, I teach all nine through 12 health and PE now. I love it. Some people think I'm crazy for being in a classroom all day with ninth grade, teaching health every day of my career. But I love those kids because they're still young enough where you can make a, a, a positive impact in their lives. They're not so old that they just absolutely don't, you know, not willing to buy what you're selling. Um, and just, just really trying to get kids to recognize how everybody has something to, to offer. And I can remember hearing other people say those kind of things. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, emotionally and probably, um, you know, I just didn't understand it. It didn't make sense to me how you could do that. But when you get that feedback, when you can talk kids into doing things that maybe they're not physically capable of doing or mentally capable of doing, then then, then you can feel that gratification and that, uh, you know, that seeing kids be successful is the ultimate goal. So you talked about almost, it sounds like almost like a light switch. You said all of a sudden I, I figured out that it was all about relationships. Did something happen or did you have an experience with either a successful team or a non, not as successful or something like that where it's like, oh man, this is the moment where it's like, or was it just gradual maturity over time as you continued to get experienced coaching, build your own confidence that you learned that? Is there something that stands out that kind of taught you that lesson? Well, I think it's, I, for me, it's gradual. I don't, there wasn't one thing that took place. You know, there's a combination of things and that can be just being a parent, you know, and all of a sudden your kids are getting older and you're recognizing what they understand and what they you know, see in the world and what's important to them, you know, so I, I think it was a, a culmination of all those things. It's suffering through a, a, you know, one of the toughest seasons I had as a coach wins and losses wise. Uh, we won four or five games and it maybe was the most gratifying season that I ever had because those kids, the last game of the year were still fighting their tails off and they still wanted to do well. And as a coach, when you go through that, that's a tough gig because after a while, kids start to think, hey, he doesn't know what's going on. Or even by then, maybe some parents have convinced their kids that he doesn't know what's going on. And so to continue to have that happen, that would be one of many things, I think, that, that uh, I recognize. And then from our, you know, a youth program part of that, I think that's a big part for a school our size. I've always been very involved with our K-12 program. And, and uh, once you get to know those families and those parents, I think that's really important when they're in second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, and you go and visit with them while their kids are participating and they get to know who you are, you're, you're gaining support too. And then once you, 
you know, you're, you're, it's never going to be perfect. You're always going to have somebody that, that gets upset or disappointed in something. But um, if you can take care of those things in advance so that they really know who you are, then you gain much more support. It's more difficult for them to be negative towards you and to, to call you out. You know, they're, they're, you know that's, that's just my feeling about it. Yeah, one of the things I talk about when when working with teams on leadership is this idea that loose connections create strong bonds and that idea that you don't have to know somebody well for them to care about you, right? You don't have to know someone well for you to care about them. It's it's maybe as simple as having a, a conversation like, oh, you enjoy horseback riding. Did you get a chance to do that this weekend? You know, it, it's this simple little connective tissue that then grows into, they're going to be less critical potentially, or they're going to be willing to challenge you, which is also great, right? It gives you this opportunity to learn. You talked about a season where it maybe wasn't going so well. And then you used a phrase a little bit back where just stuck in my head, get them to buy what I'm selling. How do you get a group that's not terribly successful to buy what you're selling? Well, I think that's something that comes with experience. And, and so if you can, if you can talk about, you know, if you, if I were to show you my room, I, I love, I just love the past. I, I have, I have another wall of stuff and I have every picture of every kid I've ever had uh, on my team here. Um, and so when you can talk about the past, Hey, this team did this, we had some kids on that team. They're very similar to you, John, or, or um, whoever that might be. And, and this is how it turned out at the end. You know, this is, I've been in games like this. I know we can't shoot every time we touch the ball. We're going to have to share that ball a little bit for us to have a chance to do it. I've seen the formula work. You may not like it, but if you want to win, this is what we have to do. You know, so you, I think there's a certain amount of experience that you have to have to be able to get kids to do that. And you know what? I think the other key is you've got to be real. You can't, you've got to be yourself. If I'm a farm kid, you know, I, I had chores to do before I went to school. I had chores waiting for me when I got home. I got a kick in the butt once in a while. Um, I know your grandparents. You know, it's, it's difficult. You know, everybody thought teaching and coaching your home team can be, town can be difficult. It was. But the older I got, it's like, hey, I, I know where your grandparents grew up. I know you, Grandpa. If he saw you act that way, he would not be impressed. You know, I mean, so it's just a combination of all those kind of things. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it takes experience. It, it takes those years to be, so you can consistently do that. But some people just, you know, you guys have had coaches that, uh, and people you've worked for that you just, you just know, you just, they, they match your personality or you know what they're all about. So coach, we, so we have a, a bunch of coaches and athletes that listen to our podcast. Um, as far as like, when you think back over the 20 plus years of all the kids that you've coached, what, what, when you think of an athlete that is fits your wheelhouse of this is the kid that I want on my team. These are the characteristics. These are the things that I'm looking for that I'm, I'm just fired up every, and I know you're fired up every day to coach all of your players, but what's the, what are the kids and what are the attributes that, that get you up saying, man, this, this kid or this team is, is going to get after it. Well, I, I think it changes from time to time, but I think, I think a lot of coaches would say this. I'm, I, I don't want to go on a limb here, but I, was, I think about myself and what, 
I brought to the table. So I'm a blue collar kid. My job was to get that ball across half court without turning it over, make my free throws defend and get the ball to the kids that can score, you know, and willing to do everything. The, the, uh, all the, you know, all the stats that don't, that don't go on the paper, diving for loose balls, offensive rebounds, uh, tip balls, uh, you name it. And so I was, those were the kind of kids that I, that I, you know, regardless of talent level, they wanted to work hard enough uh, for that win. You know, they wanted to do whatever it takes. Uh, I don't know what you can or can't put on here, but I always think there's an old coach that I say, <laughs> I don't, it, it's maybe uh, you can cut it out, but somebody's willing to punch a mother in the face for a win. <laughs> Sounds bad. All right. But, and still yet, uh, you know, be kind and high character integrity. They just, when that, when that buzzer goes or that whistle blows and you're out there, I, those are the kind of kids that I knew that when we had them, it was time to go, you know, think of the characters on your team, John. I mean, we had every walk of life on that team. Okay. You didn't all, it's not like you all hung out all the time. A couple of you did. But when it came time to play and when you guys started to put it all together, you were a heck of a basketball team and you put differences aside and, and you got after it because you all wanted the same thing, you know? So sometimes it's talent. Sometimes it's just that grit that they have and that willingness to, to, to want to win and do whatever it takes, even if that means making sacrifices. We no problem about the punch your mother in the face to win thing. Our coach in college, who's been on this podcast, you know, said, Hey, we're going to strap it up. We're going to punch him in the face in a loving <laughs> Christian way. And so, um, just shout out to coach Jay on that. We, John asked the question, what kind of kid are you looking for to, to be a part of your program? What kind of coaches are you looking for to be on your staff? Who, what kind of, what makes a great coach, right? I, I, we have this idea of teach everything as part of who we are, but what is it that you're looking for when you're looking to, to bring coaches on? So are you talking, are you talking bringing student athletes becoming coaches or you're talking about what I'm specifically looking for in my athlete um, on my team? I'm, I'm looking more at your, like when you are trying to bring a coach into the program and you want them to, to continue what you're doing. How do you, what are the attributes you're looking for in coaches in your program that are going to continue to build the program the, the right way? Well, number one, it, it's, it's dedication to the, it's dedication. It's, it's time and commitment. It's, and you're not going to get the, the, the monetary, you know, this isn't holding out for a certain contract. You've got to be willing to do it because you're intrinsically motivated to teach and coach kids and be willing to put in that extra time. Uh, that's a that's a huge thing, and in, in schools our size, we don't always, you know, like we said, it used to be really difficult to get on the coaching staff, but now you 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 get what what's available to you. It's hard to get um, um, guys that want to coach and put in that that amount of time, especially today. That's that's a big thing. But yeah, they have that number one. They have to be committed, the time commitment. They have to love kids, and they have to be willing to go the extra mile. Coach, you talk about dedication and, and commitment, and I know sacrifices outside of basketball, obviously, you've made over these 20-plus years. You also were fortunate enough to have five boys that you got to coach, so maybe it made it a little bit easier to be in the gym 
all winter some of those years. But talk about the experience of being able to coach your boys and, and kind of be the head of the program that, that they came through. Yeah, that was really special. You know, it's, there were times that were difficult because I think uh, I was always harder on my kids than the rest of the kids, because if their teammates knew that I was giving them any kind of leeway or anything like that, that wouldn't fly. Uh, And and so I was always harder on them than the rest of uh, the kids, I think. Um, but very special to see them be successful. Every once in a while, my assistant coaches, I can't tell you how many times Coach Tharfinson or Coach Hill or Coach Johnson said, hey, are you enjoying this? I mean, are you watching your kid, you know, after a game? Did you see what they did? Did you enjoy that? And, and you try to, but it's uh, – um, but uh, there were a lot of challenges too, you know. I, I can remember my oldest two. I mean, I had to have a rule they couldn't guard each other in practice. You know, uh, I've had, I've had to kick them out of practice before because it became a, a sideshow. It's like, a, you just we can't do that. Um, can you, just a second guys, my lights went out <laughs> about that, but uh, um, yeah, it, it, it is really wonderful. I'm blessed to be able to do that the night after our last game, all the boys uh, and my wife and my daughter-in-law's um, came over and uh, we celebrated and, and uh, we talked about, you know, what what I don't think many people realize is as special as that was, it was special for them, too, because when they were little kids, when when you were playing, John, and, and years before that, um, they were at every game and they remember you guys. They remember every one of you guys. They, it's amazing how many games they remember. They said, Dad, what are the top 10 games you remember in your career? And I never got a chance to answer that question because each of them were telling me what they were supposed to be. And they were going back to times like, I don't, how are, you're not old enough to remember that. How do you remember that? Uh, but they remember that stuff, and which is, you know, yesterday I'm trying to find graduation gowns from the past to hand down to our other kids. And I'm looking in boxes and I go into Brady's box, which better get in his basement soon because I'm sick of it being in my house. Uh, <laughs> and he's got a framed picture of Alan Hooper. They, printed off with a colored printer, you know, and he's a 2001 graduate and, you know, Brady's 11 years younger than him. That's what was hanging in his room, you know? So it was special for me as a father to, to, to experience that, especially in an area where I grew up. So all my siblings and a lot of their relatives were there. Um, and it was really cool to see them have success. Um, I never brought it home. I never talked about basketball at home. The only thing I would ever say is, you know, once in a while before we go game, go to a game, you know, hey, have a great game tonight. Give it everything you have. But it was never, we never broke down film. We never did any of that. Um, and I tried to keep that separated, but uh, really very lucky and blessed to be able to have done that. And what an amazing story you say. You found a picture of an athlete that was 11 years older than your child. And you, you get to know, hey, my influence on this senior kid or this junior kid who happens to be good at basketball, but my influence on them as a man, as a person is having an influence on my son in a way that I can't, you know, like what an amazing gift that that idea of family is really big in, in coaching. And um, how do you approach that piece of maybe it's not basketball we're talking about today, guys. Yeah, I, I, that was that was one of my big things. I love X's and O's. I, I really do. 
I'm to say I'm great at it. I, I'm not. I mean, I, I have an inventory of things that I enjoy that match my style, but I was way more about trying to get some life lessons in with my, my athletes. I, I really was. I got a text last week from uh, a player on the 98 team who now uh, is an attorney. And, and he, when he was in high school, he was a turkey once in a while, you know? I mean, I remember having to get on him because he was eating popcorn and M&Ms on the end of the bench during a game. And uh, his, his text was something like, congratulations, um, really enjoyed having you as a coach as much as maybe I frustrated you at times. He goes, I will never forget you always talking about going home to family for a break, enjoy your family for your vacation, enjoy the weekend, spend time with your grandparents, whatever. And you would talk about going home to your kids. And he goes, I really thought it was corny. He goes, I now have two kids. And he goes, I know exactly what you mean now. And so in his life, which is very busy and hectic and stressful, I'm sure um, coming home to his kids is a relief, you know? And, and so a lot of these things, just like it was for me, it doesn't make sense until you get to that point in your life and you recognize it, but at least you have a chance to plant the seed. So I was just about to ask you, I mean, you told a story about a kid sitting on the end of a bench eating popcorn and M&Ms. And I, I have heard personally some of your stories throughout your coaching career. And some of them, let's say, are family friendly and some are, are less. But yeah. it, when you think of, you know, looking back, I'm sure all of those stories um, continue to come up and, and as you see people and things like that. But give us, give us one of your favorites that, that you feel like you could tell on, on air here. Uh, well, the ones that could tell on air, and, and ironically, we just told the, the uh, Justin Peterson, John Shirky story this weekend. I got a chance to coach in the Minnesota All-Star game, and uh, the coaches that I was coaching with fell to the floor laughing hysterically. Uh, and so there's just so many of them. But on a, on a positive side, I, uh, I grew up. I grew up with uh, my buddy Jim Gorder. Uh, who was uh, Down syndrome, okay? And he just passed away a couple years ago, but he was a huge part. That's when they first started mainstreaming students in, in schools. He's part of Public Law 94-142. All students have a right to a free and appropriate education. And so he was in my basketball team. He was in our band and choir. And, and so I, I had a profound impact with kids with disabilities. And so over the years, I've had an opportunity to have kids with disabilities on our team. Uh, from downtown Adam Brown, uh, one of the big stories, and, and, and a few other students. Um, and, and just to have them be a part of our team and the experiences that uh, we went through during those times. Adam Brown's story is really cool. Um, and, uh, and so having those kids not only be on our team, but then have events that take place during a season where they make big baskets and uh, it's, it's well-known and... Uh, and what an impact it had on our, 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 you know, my, my student athletes and our community and our school. So those are definitely some highlights, but on the other side, you know, I tell you what, and we could go on and on forever. Uh, one of my, one of my favorites is, uh, is uh, a game in new London Spicer. We're all, I am sick. I am really, I'm not feeling well. But uh, Ted Hill, my assistant, is also sick. 
Uh, he's got to leave. He's got to leave the bench. He actually goes into our opponent's locker room thinking it's our locker room uh, because he's got to he's got to throw up. And he goes and interrupts their their uh, pregame and he throws up in their locker room. And then we get out to our game and um, we've got a group of uh, JV kids are still in there showering in our locker room. And, um, and so we do warmups. We do the first half of the game. We're going in our locker room to, uh, for that half halftime talk. And when I open the door, there is steam coming out of it is like 110 degrees in there. And I'm like, what is going on? And, and coach Hansen, uh, he goes rips Norton in there and the showers are still on and he looks in there and he goes, good God, John, you come here and be a witness. So we look in there. We still have eight junior varsity basketball players that are still in the shower from the JV game. And they have emptied the dispensers in the girls locker room with, you know, what's in there. And they're having fights, throwing these things at each other and they're trying to hide in the corner. Like we don't see them. Um, and so <laughs> they got in trouble. I still have a couple apology notes. Uh, one in particular um, from one of those individuals apologizing for that night. And uh, every once in a while, I'll go across the hall and I'll see this kid's son who's now in like fifth grade. And he's a spitting image of his dad. And I just help. <laughs> To think someday I'm going to tell you this story, young man. I'm going to tell you this story so you have one up on your dad. Uh, but that's one of the better ones. But uh, uh, John's grade, uh, you asked my kids. My son Jackson's going to graduate from college here in a couple of weeks. Uh, but I still have the Vance Walker rule. The Vance Walker rule is every time I blow a whistle and we're going to we're going to go to a new drill. Vance always had to take one more shot. It doesn't matter if it was three quarter court or half court. Some of them were close, but a lot of them didn't even hit the backboard. One of them hit my, at that time, I don't know, five-year-old kid in the head, darn near knocked him out. Um, so we still have all my kids. I was at last summer, or two summers ago, I'm at Lakeside, and uh, uh, one of my former athletes is bartending, and he goes, hey, I just met somebody named Vance Walker. Is that the, the Vance Walker? <laughs> one the Vance Walker rule uh, and so yeah so I've got a lot but uh, those are some that come to mind and I think about the people out there that have been in situations in context and maybe it's out of sport right maybe they're not coaching but they have these things what value it brings to your community to bring those historical moments back in, right? What value it brings to tell the stories, to be vulnerable enough to say, Hey, I screwed up this one time and here's what happened. You know, this other thing happened. And when we bring it in, we then create community. You know, it's that same thing about low loose connections, create strong bonds. Let's tell our stories, right? Let's tell our stories so that we can connect with each other. And it just brings the whole thing tighter and I would say maybe you can corroborate this, but you're more successful also when you have those things. I agree. It's the same as being a leader. I think any coach, any leadership position, people are going to support you. Uh, you know, when talking about the past stuff like that is important, but also being real, I think is something that maybe I didn't bring up before, but I think to be an effective leader, you have to admit when things don't go well, you have to admit when you made a mistake, you know, man, I let you guys down. I am sorry. I'm never going to let that happen again. 
we need to be better prepared. I didn't have you prepared for that situation. That goes back to probably my statement about just being real and being who you are. You can't cover up. A lot of people want to blame someone else. Uh, man, you got to take that on and, and, and own it. And, and I think that says a lot. So in the spirit of vulnerability, coach, do you have any stories about coaching me that, you know, stand out to you that maybe aren't either good or bad, but I'm willing to let you kind of tell me, tell the, the, the listeners how you remember coaching me. Well, uh, I'm going to go the lighter side first. Always, I, we don't have a ton of kids on that team. It's not like we had 18 kids. We didn't have a ton of kids. Um, and I don't get a lot of big guys here. John was, John was a four or five guy. All right. So was his buddy, Justin, wow. but begged all the time to play the point guard. I always wanted to play the point guard. And probably in today's world, you guys would have been playing a three spot. All right. You know what I mean? And today we talked about how the game has changed, but and when I, the way we played last at, at that time, you know, I, I used a four or five guy and you guys were excellent. All right, John, you had great hands, smart court awareness, um, you were, you were kind of a little bit of the, actually probably way more of the glue than maybe some of the other guys were keeping them all together and on the same page. Uh, but talented, you know, it just really fun to have had a player like you other than the fact that you always want to ask my wife out on a date. All right. Um, uh, I forgive you for that. I forgive you for that. Uh, and asking to play point guard. I, I, it was my pleasure. I mean, it was, that was that that season with you, John and Justin and Neil and Vance and Lance and, and Jake Beecher and go down the line uh, was, was, it was one of those seasons. Um, and along with your leadership where we, we stuttered a little bit here and there, and we started to come on and play together Had a couple big wins. We had that, that tough game in McCray that we lost. And then we got a chance to get back at them uh, in subsection play. And one of the, I would say one of the best games I've had a high school team play, one of the top 10 games ever to beat a, to beat a very outstanding McCray team uh, at the U of M Morris. That was a great game. Um, did, and did, that, and, did that make, did that make the list of your kids top 10 games? Cause those are the only ones that, you know, Really well, count. that was one that I wanted to talk about, but never had a chance to talk about because they answered everything for me. But, uh, and then well, I can't remember, John, is it you that, uh, that gave Winkleman the finger to the eye and put him out for the third quarter down in Morris? Probably John is dirty. John is dirty. <laughs> so coach, I, I mean, it's awesome to hear. And, and certainly was my pleasure to play. I, I think that looking back as I was thinking about, you know, interviewing you and asking you questions. It was like, boy, I think we are a lot more alike than maybe I, not that I don't want to be like you, but I think that at times created tension with us. Um, I think back to some of the maybe not so glamorous times. That's my senior year. I followed out at Sock Center in like, you know, the beginning of the third quarter or something like that down in Marshall we were playing Worthington. I followed out in the first half with two technicals. That was not my, one of my finest moments. But, and then I think, you know, one of my fondest memories now looking back and I feel a little bit bad was we're playing at Benson. One of your good friends is on the sidelines on the, you know, opposing bench. And um, maybe I'll let you tell that story if you, if you feel like great, you can get it out. Been, that should have been one of the first ones I told. That, that was a great 
And ironically, I, I'm going to say this now, and I'll come back to it, how this came full circle, is uh, Roger Lindell and Benson, just a legend in himself, great friends, you know, his family and my family. And this weekend, uh, I was uh, honored to coach the Minnesota All-Star Series, and I had to choose my assistant coach. And my assistant here, Coach Johnson, had not been vaccinated. So you have to be vaccinated, fully vaccinated, to coach in this game. So uh, Roger's son, Aaron, was my assistant coach in that game, which was, was really awesome. And it's kind of come full circle. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but let's go back to, 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 to John Shirky in Benson. All right. So Roger Lindon, his assistant coach at the time, Scott Gunnerman, they would always tease me all the time because I'm always on the court. Like if we had a conference meeting, they would always put my name down for all conference because I was on the court more, uh, uh, you know, on the court as much of any of my athletes. So they put me up for that. But the, in reality, it was always opposite because Gunny, Roger's assistant, he would be way down the baseline working the refs. And Roger was always two steps on the court, right in front of the bench between half court and there all the time. And the ball is on their end. It's a tip ball. And John is, he's, he's going for it, man. He's saving this ball. And as he's lunging to reach for the ball, Roger is in, <laughs> in the way. And if I remember correctly, John, he actually caught the ball and John, as you're going there, your momentum doesn't allow you to stop, I think. All right. And he decided all of a sudden the last second he goes into kind of a little fetal position and he leans in with the shoulder and the two of them go into the into the bench. All right. So he runs over Lindahl, who is a big man, big, strong man. He's six, four, uh, 260 at that time. Um, and they go into the bench and Roger is not happy. He is not <laughs> happy. And he looks at me immediately. You try and help him up. And he, did he, did he accept your help? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so either. And he gets up and he looks down at me and he goes, he leaned into me. He leaned into me, John Jude. And I said, he did not. And the game ended when the game ended, he like disappeared. And uh, before we could get on the bus, he comes running out of the locker room. He had gone and checked the VHS tape because I know it. He leaned into me. So he was he was he was okay with that, whatever. But the, what really made it funny is they had to come back to Middleaska in a few weeks. And when they came, or it was either a few weeks or it was the next year. I can't remember. Was that your senior year, John? Yeah. And then uh, Coach Hill, who's always got something good to say or something to do, one of my assistants he got a Minnewaska Laker helmet and he put it on the, on the Benson bench for Roger to wear just in case Shirky took him out again in the next game. John, yeah. let's, let's get to the bottom of this. Did you lean in? We need to know the truth. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this. And here's the part that coach just left out. I don't know if, if coach Lindahl, he went and checked the film. Did he say whether or not he was on the court? Because my defense would be, that he was on the court and, you know, the leaning in or leaning, not leaning in, Jamie, I mean, I think. Irrelevant at that point, right? If irrelevant. he's on the court, it's happening. <laughs> My hands are tied. I, I, can, I can assure you he was on the court. And when he caught that ball, I still, I can still see that happening. It's like he stared that ball and it was, that was, yep. For the, the, for the record, he and I have talked about it. Coach Lindahl, we, we talked about it. Um, 
we cleared the air so long ago, That's but good. it's something that uh, I look back fondly on. But <laughs> anyway, coach, uh, certainly awesome to go down memory lane, but also uh, you've impacted so many young men and women and families in that community. And that's something that is really special and, and I appreciate your service and, and we're excited for you in, in retirement to get to spend more time with your kids and now growing list of grandkids. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I, like I said, I was really lucky and, and uh, um, you know, I, some people have asked me, are you struggling with your decision? And I'm, I'm a, I'm really at peace with, with what I'm doing. I'm excited. I, I think when there's, you know, there's a, um, I always think everything's for a reason. So maybe there's some new adventure that's going to, uh, there's going to be an opportunity for, maybe that's being a junior high basketball coach, maybe, you know, whatever it might be. And I, I would be very excited for that. But um, again, really lucky to be able to have that opportunity. And I'm, can't wait to spend a little bit more time with our grandchildren this weekend uh, coming home from that all-star game. Um, we talked with my son, Brady and FaceTime and my wife's holding the phone and um, our grandson Clayton wants to get on the phone and it's clear as day. Hi grandpa. Uh, and so that just kind of makes for me, that just kind of, you know, makes your heart melt and uh, can't wait to see him. He's shooting baskets and stuff like that. And I think sometimes, you know, you're gone so much. Uh, my own kids were always with me a lot of times when I was gone at practices and even rode the bus once in a while, but many nights coming home and laying down in bed with them, trying to get them to go to sleep and missed out on a few things. And, and so I, I just don't want to miss out those things with my grandchildren coming up and um, maybe, uh, you know, something new will come along too. Thanks for joining us today, coach. It was an amazing conversation and we're, we're blessed to be able to have you and your influence now go out even farther. So thanks a lot. Thanks guys. And, uh, I, you're, what you guys are doing is really cool too. I've, I've gotten little bits and pieces of, of what's going on. So really cool adventure for you. It seems like doing it for all the right reasons and, uh, uh best of luck to you guys as well. Thanks coach. Thanks. Thanks again to coach Phil John Schrude, who spent a lot of years at the, on the sidelines for Minnewaska area and in, in the gyms and was my coach. And Jamie, certainly I just said this, but a lot of nostalgia in this conversation and a lot of respect for him, even though when I was playing, um, we certainly butted heads quite a bit, but appreciate him and, and that he was willing to come on and, and share some of his wisdom over the years. Well, and I think that's interesting. Like, I think, a lot of people might think, oh, me and a leader didn't get along all the time. And I can't possibly continue to have a relationship with them. When in reality, those like that butting heads means it matters for both of you, right? It means you care and are invested and you're going to give something. And so I don't think that that's a negative necessarily. It's just hard in the moment. Yeah, agreed. And I think, you know, our, some of our past episodes, we've talked about time growing that, you know, perspective and maturity and, and looking back on whether it be a, a leader or a coach or whoever and looking back and saying, Hey, you know what? It, yeah. It was more impactful and probably made our relationship better. 
Well, and I, that's the thing that keeps coming back to me in this, you know, we asked a few questions. He's like, it, it comes with experience, you know, it comes with time. It comes with maturity and developing a perspective that is, you know, I, and I think the thing that really is the takeaway for me is like, be yourself, be real, be yourself. He says it right. And we don't want to do that all the time because we think we have to be perfect with the X's and O's. We have to be perfect with the scheme. And he says it, I wasn't necessarily good at that. The thing that the people remember from you as a leader, as someone in charge of something that's intending to grow over time is your capacity to be yourself. And that might mean you're going to butt heads with, with athletes at times. It might mean you're going to butt head with subordinates at times or your leader at times, somebody that's above you. But when you're real in yourself, people buy in in a different way because they know what the expectation is. They're not getting it from both sides. They're not thinking, oh, it could be this response one day and this response the next day. I know who you are. And if I want to challenge that, I now know what to expect. And that grows it in an amazing way. And, and it ties in so well to our mantra of live eyes up, right? And become aware of who you are, where you want to go, what you want to be, and be that. Be Like you said, be real, be yourself. And once you have that freedom, man, what that does to your performance and your ability to connect with other people and, and connect with your purpose, it's incredible. And your willingness to learn, your curiosity about where you did screw up and when you're wrong, it changes the whole conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us again today. And as always, live eyes up. <laughs>